while some of the people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the days will come when there will be not left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, See that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first, but it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. Before all this happens, however, they will seize you and persecute you, and they will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons, and they will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead to you giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking, that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. From a very young age, Emil felt called to the priesthood, and after being ordained a priest and serving as pastor of the church where he grew up, he felt called to serve as a chaplain in the United States Army. Going to the front lines of the Korean War in 1950, Father Emil put hundreds of miles on his jeep, celebrated Mass for the men on the hood of that very jeep, visited them in their foxholes, and even offered them a puff from his pipe during the cover of night administered to the wounded and the dying on the battlefield as well. In one particularly bloody conflict, the Americans were outnumbered, and there were many wounded and dying soldiers scattered all over the battlefield. The call to retreat was sounded and bullets continued to fly. Many fell back to safety, following the order of the retreat. However, Father Emil picked up his helmet that bore a cross on it, his kit for last rites, and ran out of his foxhole into the slew of gunfire, shells, and carnage. Father Emil encountered a man, Herbert Miller, who was wounded on the ground. He was unable to walk on his own. Father Emil saw Herbert on the ground, and in that process, an enemy soldier pointed his gun at Herbert towards him on the ground, ready to fire, ready to end Herbert's life. Father Emil ran up to the enemy soldier, pushed away his rifle, and shielded his wounded friend on the ground, standing between the butt of the the end of the gun and his friend. Mouth hanging opened, the enemy soldier looked back at them both, mouth open, stunned at the incredible bravery of a man so willing to offer his own life for the sake of another. After Father Emil saved the life of Herbert Miller, the man he, he found wounded on the ground, The men, all of the men, were forced and captured on a death march to march over 60 miles where they would be held as prisoners of war. In the prison camp, the Chinese communists would take the prisoners, teach them communistic and atheistic ideas, and try to convince them that their notion or any belief in God was worthless, not worthwhile. To feed and take care of their bodies, Father Emil would steal food for the men He boiled water in a makeshift tin pan to prevent them from getting sick, and he mended their clothing and washed their clothes. To take care of their souls, Father Emil led them in prayer, would sing hymns, and preach the gospel to them. 
His message was one of hope, and the communist overseers in the POW camp absolutely hated him for it. He hated, they hated that Father Emil gave the men hope, that he gave them a will to live, and he gave them a desire to triumph over the evil they were experiencing. Being that it was Veterans Day this past Friday, I've had some time to reflect on the sacrifices that so many have taken to defend and fight for our freedoms. In the prosperity that we are all afforded in this country, by the sacrifice of so many veterans, it's tempting for us to think that while being subjected to hatred, suffering, turmoil, and something for the sake of our freedom that our veterans face, it's something very distant from us. It happens on a far-off battlefield far away. However, in our minds and hearts, the battles that can seem to be far from us are actually so much closer than we think. In the Gospel this weekend, Jesus has that exact vision to offer. Today we find ourselves at the very end of Luke's Gospel, and the words of Jesus, they cut straight to the heart. Jesus says to us this day, You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. These words of the gospel today remind us that as followers of Jesus Christ, we will face battles that are not fought far away, like the battles waged by our veterans that we remember this weekend, or by Father Emil on that story I shared. But rather, the battles that we are called to fight in this moment are being waged and fought for our very hearts, as our culture and our world seeks to forget about God and invites us to leave God outside of our daily lives. If we were to take a drive down 294 or 94 this day, my friends, what would we see on the billboards? What invitations would be posed to us on them? If we were to scroll our phones or watch videos in the ads, what would be offered to us? If we were to open the newspaper or watch the news, listen to the radio, however it is that we get news in this world today, what stories are being shared and what message is being offered to us? I'd like to offer to you this day that the message being shared over and over again is that happiness is just around the corner. You just have to be willing to take it for yourself. This message being offered to us that when we fall for this trick, we see God not as a loving father that desires the best for his children, but rather God becomes an oppressive parent that competes for your freedom and for mine. Religion becomes a list of impersonal rules to just follow that are foolish, they seem simplistic. With this mantra in mind of curating freedom, taking it for ourselves, freedom is not found in doing what we want. Freedom is found in doing whatever we want, whenever we want, with no consequences, with no repercussions. People are seen as objects, and objects are worshipped as gods. It reminds me of that Frank Sinatra song, However Much We Like It or Not. In that song, My Way, that he sings, My Way stands as an anthem of no rules, no limits, no stops. We create our own path, and we can get whatever we want out of life, including our own happiness, that we should take for ourselves. If you think I sound too extreme, or that this war is not being waged for our hearts, then look to anyone in our culture, anyone in the media, or even personally, if you stand up for a message of truth, 
if you stand up for a message that seems to limit one's happiness in the way that our culture seems to present it this day, if we stand up for that or teach an opposition to it, then immediately what follows is the hatred that follows of what Jesus offers to us. It comes on fast and it comes on strong. Chaos, insults, attacks, follow by dispositions that are veiled under the guise and the distortion of false goodness. There are voices that say, no, do what makes you happy. Don't worry about anything else. Your happiness is yours to take. And if anyone stands in the way, God help them. Today, as we listen to the words of Jesus, there is a battle going on. It's not a distant one. It's not far away. It's not subtle. Rather, it's being waged right here in the wake of the human heart every single day. Eventually, Father Capon was forced to that hospital, forced to a camp in that prisoner of war camp to a hospital that no one came back alive from. There he died from his injuries, his ailments, and the tortures he was subjected to as a prisoner of war. As he was taken away before his death, he told his fellow POWs around him that he was going to a better place, and when he got there, he would pray for them. Now, nearly 70 years later, the Catholic Church has opened an investigation into the life of Father Capon and waits this process that one day he might be declared a saint in the Catholic Church. His remains were rarely recovered from Korea, brought back to Hawaii, and discovered that indeed they were his remains, and his remains are entombed in the cathedral in Wichita, Kansas, awaiting the hope that one day he be canonized as a saint. What captivates the human heart and the story of Father Capon is not that he found happiness in his own way or doing what he wanted, but rather he died doing what he needed to do for the sake of his calling from God and the sake of his call to serve, even at the cost of his life. In the eyes of the world, Father Capon lost everything, but dare we hope he gained everything in return. In our own lives, what lies do we buy into about our own happiness? How can we keep God into this equation? And what do we have to renounce in order to truly be happy?